How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books. Chapter 9. Oh, brother. So after we have washed dishes and my neck is less red since I got pulled by my collar like Bruce when he poops on the rug, and walks me out. I stand in the garage and use my automatic starter before I go out. My night has been great, so not freezing my ass off in the meantime. I think your parents like me. She walks over and gives me a hug and a peck on the cheek. I think they like you more than me. At least you can write a song. I pull her off gently. Yeah, what's up with that? Why didn't you tell me you write songs? I like yours more, so I don't want you to judge my crappy ones. They aren't crappy. You haven't even heard them. Yeah, but they're by you, so I bet they're great. If not, I'll help you. I don't want your help. Why not? Because they're mine. You of all people should know what your own sense of self-expression means to the writer. If someone comes along and goes, I know you better than you know you, it's kind of a dick move. Let me do what I want with them, and if I need your help, I'll ask you for it. My car starts warming up. I give her a big hug and kiss on the forehead and say, Fine, I won't help. Only on the condition of you help me when I ask you. You mean if you ask me? I give her a kiss on the lips and say, No, when I ask you. You mean a lot to me and I value your take on things. She blushed like the first time we met. Okay, fine. And off I go. As I drive home, I realize there are very few times in my life when everything is gone according to plan. This went even better. Who knew that all you have to do is calm the fuck down and things will sort themselves out? I can't help but notice on the way home that I'm driving with one hand on the wheel and my seat reclined back. I'm driving a little slower and I have a positive disposition. This is new. Quite frankly, I like it. I think I found the new Doug. Now, back to our regular scheduled program. I pull up to the house and notice a familiar car in the driveway. A brand new, out-the-showroom something-something sport with all the bells and whistles. It clicks in my head and my head falls on the steering wheel when... I realize the inevitable shit hitting the fan and my good day comes to a screeching halt. My brother is home. Now, my brother isn't a bad guy. Far from it. He's actually my best friend next to Tim. He's comforting and warm with a kind sense of humor. Not a mean one like mine. It's just that he's successful and I'm, well, me. <laughs> he's the head of emergency medicine at the hospital Dad works at. Yeah, he got Dad the job. He stops over every once in a while to check on things when he has the time. Not that he doesn't want to, but he's booked solid while living at least an hour away. He's got a wife and kids, so it's not like he can just bail and come see us whenever. But every time I see his something-something parked in the driveway, I just know I'm going to inevitably feel like shit. He doesn't mean anything by it, it's my problem, not his. 
In fact, he's my biggest supporter. No matter how busy he is, he always makes time for my shows, listens to whatever I send him, and gives me feedback that's constructive. It was actually his idea in It's All Over to switch the verses. Tim just backed him up. I walk in at my normal height of six foot two inches. I will inevitably go to bed at a height just under the sidewalk. He makes me feel that small. Instantly, as I walk through the door, he's on me with a big bear hug. How's it going, bud? God, I love him. I'm good, Chris. Just got back from meeting the girlfriend's parents. Did you remember the wine I showed you? See? The fucker is good. Yeah, it turned out to be her dad's favorite. He claps his hands in approval. Told you, dude, it always works. Not too much burn, just enough flavor. Just like Robin. Robin is his wife. God damn, I wish I had his jokes. Christopher! Mom damn near throws a book at him. Yeah, he's an adult who saves lives every five minutes, but he's still her kid. Mom's house? Mom's rules. Hey, uh, how about we all sit outside with a fire? Whatever you want to do, Mom. Let me go get some old newspaper and we'll meet you both outside. Mom and Dad get up and head outside all giddy, not aware of the quiet storm about to brew between her sons. We watch them both leave. Chris takes a swig of the wine. You have no idea how much I want your life, dude. Ding, ding. <laughs> That's the bell, and round one starts. How dare you? You have everything I could ever want, and everything I do, you do better in no time at all. Do you wish you had my life? Fuck you, man. He doesn't even get mad, just shrugs his shoulders and says, You don't think I'd rather mold the minds of America instead of saving the dumbasses that walk in every day? No, no, I'm fuming. I basically point a kid's nose at his paper and say, pay attention for eight hours. Do you really think that's rewarding? You think you can do it walking in there with no experience? You, you save and improve lives every day. He starts to raise his voice a little. Drunks who decide I'm not worth their time or money, hypochondriacs who think they're dying of cancer because they farted a little louder than usual, and the chest pain who needs a stent put in. Yeah, it's a high-maintenance job, but at least people appreciate what you do. Most people go on the internet and try to prove me wrong, like I didn't go to school and put myself $250,000 in debt. At least you lived a little, playing and writing music that everyone loves. I kind of look at him funny. Not in a fuck you way, but in a really kind of way. Like, I never thought of it. Not to mention you get to see mom and dad every day. You help them into their later years while I'm helping everyone else's parents. You get to see the fruits of your labor. If I do my job right, I don't see them again. But if I do see them, it's because they don't listen. I sit back. I never really realized he felt so unappreciated. It really hits me hard. This guy does nothing but give while I take. And often I do get more praise while he gets criticism. 
Like, I'm supposed to whine about something that someone at a show once said about a song that took me ten minutes to rehearse? This poor fuck deserves more. I think I'm going to write a song about it. I run outside and say, Mom, I'm going to bed. Uh, feeling kind of tired since that dinner. Chris heads over with his apology of, Look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap. But I am in full songwriter mode saying, Yeah, yeah, sure, it's fine. I shut my door and pick up one of the acoustics. When I have a message and not a riff, I use the typical G, E minor, C, D chord progression just to hammer lyrics out. Over time, I realize I want him to know it's okay and that he has responsibilities he can't help but have. He lives so far away and... Oh, brother, how are you? Yes, a melody will outright interrupt a sentence.
I never really write songs about other people's struggles or their views. I always write my own views, even political songs. So I realize after I get this line, this is going to be a letter to him, for him, and about the struggles I now know he faces every day. I send a rough demo to Tim. We developed a new system for recording. We only record on Thursdays so that Fridays are for Ange. But I'm so nervous about how this will come out. What if Chris doesn't like it? What if it comes out like crap? But, alas, just like before, my anxiety is subdued by the result of it coming out even better than it's all over. I show my parents, and they cried. Ange and her parents think the same thing. So I send it to Chris. The thing is, I don't hear from him for a week. I nearly shit a brick. I call him after another studio session. Hey, you never told me what you thought of the song. Oh god, it never sent! I've been listening to it all week, crying as you did after! And I don't even hear him finish. I'm so elated. Jesus, what one song can do for another person. Not nearly as important as proper medical care, but it's really something. <laughs> it just goes to show you never know someone else's life until you walk in their shoes. Hey, what a title. Maybe that's a something too. This has been How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma. Primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode. Published by Red Penguin Books.